good, what is good, what is good? What's up, folks? It's your boy, Five Mikes, husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Idea of Manhood podcast. This is season two, episode 25, I believe. Um, and we're back at it once again. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, again, I've been saying this at nauseum every week for the past year and a half. If you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, it's very, very important for you to rate it, um, leave comments, leave feedback. Tell me if you know me personally. If you don't, please understand that um, all of your feedback is taken in. Um, you know, I process everything that everybody tells me. I make changes. The thing that's with this podcast is like nobody owns this but me. You know, I can make week to week changes. I can make episode to episode changes. And many of the things that people have suggested, uh, I've been able to implement immediately and it's made a difference. So, you know, y'all are listening to this um, more than not. Like y'all listen to this with different areas than I do when I'm recording it, of course. So I really appreciate all your feedback and your your ratings, you know, whether, you know, people I know are going to rate me high. I don't, I don't care how you rate me. Honestly, I really don't. I want it to be, I want you to rate me well, not because of the rating, but because I want the show to be done well. So, um, whether you rate me high or low, I'm going to, uh, it's going to impact how I record and my content and how I provide what I'm providing to you. So it's very important, uh, through iTunes, you know, through uh, SoundCloud and Stitcher and wherever you find your podcast, please rate. It, it really makes a huge, huge difference more, more than you know. Uh, so we're back at it again. It's the idea of manhood. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little uh, reserved today. One, because I have these allergies are, are kicking my butt up and down the street. Um, not sure why that's, I mean, I, I'm not, I know why it's happening. Tree pond is ridiculous, but I can barely breathe out of one nostril. I'm breathing out like half a nostril right now. Uh, I just took some Benadryl and y'all know how that is. I'll be sleeping 34 minutes. Um, but I wanted to share, I had to share this week about this trip that I just took with my son. Um, I, so if you follow me on Twitter, Facebook or wherever, Uh, I talked about the fact that my son asked me to chaperone his fifth grade overnight field trip. Okay. Uh, So it's just as bad as you can imagine. So when he asked me, my first response was no, um, absolutely not. I will not be joining that trip. Uh, There's nothing about that that sounds enlightening or uh, like we're going to share something special because I see you every day. Um, and I love you and I'm with you 24 hours a day. I go to your practices. I help coach your soccer team. I'm there on the weekends at every game and every event. I'm helping you with homework every day. Uh, I don't need to spend time with your friends is what I thought in my head. I don't like them. Uh, they stink. Uh, I don't like their attitudes. Uh, I hate the way that I hear them interact with you. I don't like it. I don't like it much about it. I don't want to be around it. I don't like your teachers, really. Um, And so uh, when he asked me, that was my internal dialogue. Uh, No, son, I I will not. 
Uh, but externally, I was like, sure. Oh, you really want me to go, huh? All right, well, I'll look into it. Okay, let me check my schedule, you know. Um, when he asked me, maybe back in February. Or maybe even before that. And I was like, oh, okay, into it, sure. Every month, every other week or so, did you get fingerprinted, Dad? You know, he doesn't remember anything. I told you, my son is very low, low energy, low maintenance. You know, he doesn't really emote. He's sensitive, but he doesn't emote. Uh, doesn't really do a whole lot of follow through. You know, unless it's something he really, really wants. He must have really, really wanted me to go on this trip because every now and again, hey, Dad, did you get your fingerprints? Miss Blanky Blank said, you know, you got to have your fingerprints or you can't. So I thought about doing the old sabotage. Like, oh, man, the fingerprint office was closed every time I went. Uh, but I was like, nah, that's not true. I, you, know, you know, I don't want it to be like that. He asked me, you know, I'm going to suck it up. This is not about me. It's about him. He wants me there. I'm going to do my best to be there. So I did my best to be there. And I went. Uh, we left on Monday. Uh, we went to a place in Southern Maryland called... Akakeek, Maryland, which is, it's not really on the eastern shore of Maryland. It's kind of uh, really close to D.C., kind of in a weird way. It's right off of the Potomac River across from Mount Vernon Estates in Virginia, uh, close to the Woodrow Wilson Bridge, but kind of off, uh, you know, out of the way a little bit. Akakeek is still in Prince George's County, which is the county I live in, um, but it's kind of out of the way off the beaten path, and we stayed in a place Call Hard Bargain Farms. All right, just sit with that for a minute. Let that digest and uh, move throughout your eardrums. Hard Bargain Farms is the place that we went to. Um, and essentially, it's a farm where they do things that they do on farms. There's animals, there's cows, there's pigs, there's goats. And they use these animals to... Um, you know, they, they make food and milk, you know, for the community or whatever. And there it's really an educational place where PG County has a relationship with this farm where they bring students in different programs up and teach them about life in the 1800s and, you know, life on the Potomac and, the, uh, you know, the geography of that area and the biology and the specimen that grows and the birds and, you know, Overall, if I had to give this trip a rating, um, I give it on a scale of one to ten. I give it a six for me. Um, my son, I asked my son and he gave it a nine and a half. And I asked him, why did you give it a nine and a half? Um, and the first thing he said was, well, because you were there. And I, you know, I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. Um, but then uh, he said he didn't give it that half a point because the last day was boring because there was too much talking. Anyhow, um, so I wanted to talk about the trip, you know, in totality. You know, it's it's a, it's what you can imagine. It's you know, it was it wasn't really a camping trip. It was more of a educational trip, um, and we stayed in. It wasn't really a, it was like a dorm almost where they had bunk beds and. Um, you know, they had showers and everything, even though they told the boys they couldn't take showers. It was all about, you know, how to recycle, how to clean up the Potomac and what is a wetland and what is a marsh and what is a swamp and what is, a you know, the different 
habitats of the animals and uh, looking at some of the geography and there was an eagle's nest on the site and it was just really cool and learning some of the history of Maryland and uh, they did actually acknowledge slavery which I am actually uh, surprised that they did because during the segment where they were talking about you know families and how hard it was on families in the 1800s you know they actually mentioned that you know some families that didn't have enough children, um, you know, the way that they were able to get their work done was by hiring uh, slaves. And I was like, <clears throat> well, you know, they bought slaves, you know. Uh, so it, they did their best to make it uh, PC for 10 year olds. But, um, you know, it's always interesting that they take these trips by the public school systems to plantations like they love taking our kids to plantations you know it's almost like hey look at where your where your ancestors grew up you know where they were forced into working these horrific uh environments like don't try to make it shit sound sweet now but that's a whole different podcast a whole different episode i'm not going to go into that now um, but I wanted to talk about something that uh, I, I briefly engaged online, uh, talking about fear, talking about fear in the context of children and the role that fathers play, uh, the role that mothers and family members and the community plays when it comes to um, encouraging fear, when it comes to acknowledging it, when it comes to addressing it, overcoming it. Um, fear is such a, uh, is such an amazing and powerful emotion. You can have fear of things that you have experienced, that you actually gone through. Like people that have been in hor- horrific car accidents, they might have a fear of going in a car. If you've been, you know, played baseball and you got hit with the baseball in your face and they broke your glasses and they called you tape ups for seventh, eighth and ninth grade. Having that ball come close to your face may cause a fear of something that you actually went through. Um, You could also have fear of things that you might have seen on TV or that you've heard from other people that, but that you haven't actually experienced. Uh, and then there's fear, you know, of course of the unknown, like just things that people talk about and you're like, Oh man, that's scary. Or fear of concepts, fear of theories, fear of change, fear of intimacy, fear of love, fear of connection, you know? So there's all these kind of big concepts, Uh, ideas and ideals of what you can fear and something just caught me I I think about this often in terms of how we are raising our children when it comes to what we expose them to right and I think about the things that I'm scared of scared like I'm not talking rats and roaches and snakes and those things you can see like those things you know whether they're valid or not all right whatever I'm talking about a fearful mentality. And I just find it so, it's so interesting to me when I look at children, right? 
when I look at young people, when I look at young black people, right, and I look at young brown people, and young people of color, young people from different, maybe disadvantaged, not disadvantaged, not the right word, but people that are coming from a quote-unquote minority or underserved population, their ideals of what fear is and what they fear can actually limit them from and limit them but limit us because I'm in that group too limit us from you know really exposing ourselves and putting ourselves next to success you know putting ourselves next to things that are moving in ways that we're unfamiliar with you know what I'm saying so I made the example online that there was a young woman in our group you know, who just didn't want to try anything, you know, she didn't want to milk the cow, she didn't want to roll down the hill, she didn't want to dig the dirt, you know, look up the little sludge and dig for bugs and look at, look up what the bugs did and why they were important to the ecosystem, like, she didn't want to do any of that, she didn't want to, you know, every time a fly would land on her, I'm talking guttural screams, Everything was just like, oh, scared, scared. Everything was, she's so fearful. And I'm just thinking, like, what are her fears, like, preventing her from being exposed to? Not just her physical fears of the things that she's scared of, but I wonder what concepts she's scared of. I'm wondering if she's scared of trying new things and how that impacts her schooling. You know, I couldn't help but also notice that this young woman was overweight. And I wonder, like, is her fear keeping her in an unhealthy lifestyle? Is her fear thrown upon her by her parents' fear? And I would assume that maybe her parents are overweight, too. Like, this is not looking down on them because I've been in all of these places. It's just I wonder when I see a kid that's 10 years old that is afraid to do certain things. I'm wondering what else conceptually is her mind unable to even conceive because of her fear. And I always look at, you know, I'm, uh, I, you know, I feel a, 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 a research topic coming on. I feel a PhD brewing, but like in terms of, you know, looking at, at white kids and looking at brown kids and, you know, just in their natural habitat when they're just talking and being themselves and they're interacting and laughing with each other, you know, kids don't see race. I mean, kids, they see it, that they definitely see it, but it doesn't mean to them what it means to me you know what I mean like one of my son's best friends is white and um, and it's cool because I remember growing up at his age one of my best friends are white in that same kind of way and I remember my mom being hesitant like oh well you know sure you can come over or uh, maybe he could come over here you couldn't go over there you know what I mean Um, but I was able to see my son interact with some of his white uh, colleagues and friends in his classroom, in this setting, all outside of the classroom. And I just saw the level of, I wouldn't even say 
I, I think it's safe to call it fearlessness that was instilled in these young white boys because I was with the you know boy group I was I'm always befuddled and always almost in awe and I would say two steps away from being jealous of the audacity of white maleness and I think we all think of it in this negative way because everybody is fake woke and everybody is talking about oh white men and white privilege and all those things are real and, and white privilege is a real thing but you know depending on what lens you're looking at it you know when I talk to white students about when doing, doing diversity training and I talk to white young men about their privilege you know they're automatically like defensive like oh i don't have white privilege i struggle too oh my family's from ireland oh you know uh, but i'll be like yo embrace your white privilege be like you've been taught and you've been raised to feel like you can't lose that's not always a bad thing when it when it's you know up against itself when that white privilege is putting down entire groups of pr people, then okay, that's something different. But, you know, I'm looking at these 10 year olds and I'm seeing bravery. I'm seeing, you know, a little bit of an edge in terms of questioning authority, questioning why things have to be done in a certain order. Now, for, to your regular and traditional black, you know, even stereotypical black parent, you know, you don't question adults. You don't question your teachers. You don't, you know, you go and if they tell you to jump, you say how high. And if they tell you to stop, you stop, you know. Um, but these white kids, it wasn't that easy. And it made the job of me as a chaperone, you know, it wasn't, I, I couldn't answer questions with like, uh, you know, Johnny, you know, relax, chill. Why? Why do I have to stop? Why can't I put my legs off of this moving truck while we're doing a hayride, Mr. Andrews? Why can't I? Because I'm very uncomfortable. Are the exact words that a young boy said to me. So my inner black, you know, my black self was like, I will slap the shit out of you. You better stop talking to me like that. I'm not your mother and I will mush you off of this moving truck. Uh, dial that back a couple steps and I had to explain like well Johnny if you must know and I said like well Johnny you know if you're shorter than I am so I could put my legs over and they can dangle if you put your legs over and let's say a branch snags it or you run you know a tree comes by and your little body is gonna get moved and you can fall off the the, the wagon that's why Johnny so sit your ass down you know what I'm saying um, but the audacity of him to ask that question is 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 mind blowing for a ten year old. Like I know that my son, whether I'm there or not, wouldn't do it in such a way. Like he might eventually get there, but he wouldn't have the audacity of being fearless. You know what I'm saying? And it just makes me think of like. You know, how are we setting our kids up for success? How are we setting our kids up for failure? How are we setting our kids up to try new things? You know, and it's not just about trying new foods or, oh, now I eat spinach or, you know, it's not that. I'm talking about big concepts, you know, going in, uh, in a different career 
trajectory than your parents or thinking like, hey, if my parents made this much money, I can make double that by the time I'm 25. That's fearless. And that's a trait and a quality that I think inherently, I think it's culturally black people are scurry. Like we are scared. Like we are the most like black and brown people are the most scurry groups of people like we can't swim we're scared to swim we're scared to you know i ain't eating that uh-uh we're not gonna try healthy stuff i'm of course i'm i'm being very stereotypical and please forgive me i'm only basing it off of my own personal experiences of myself growing up my friends and family and what i've seen uh you know we're scared you know and i am so set I am deathly afraid of bugs. Bugs are a thing. That's a small thing. In terms of the things that I'm fearful of, to me, bugs are small. So if my son came to me and said he's scared of bugs, you know, if someone was arguing with me online, if someone's scared of milking a cow, then they're just scared of milking a cow. It's not about the cow. It's not about the bug. It's not about the snake. It's the concept of how you overcome fear and how you overcome and try different things in different environments. Like if you have the safety or the perceived safety of a certain environment, then why wouldn't you try everything you can within this new environment? Why not? You got to question that. So this girl that was in our, in our group, didn't want to milk the cow that didn't want to do this didn't want to touch the flower every time a fly buzzed around her here she was screaming like she just got stabbed in her nose like all of these things you got to wonder what what else is she scared of and what if all of these uh variables if all of these uh i can't think of the word stimuli were neutralized and none of it was there would she still be afraid? What would what would she be afraid of then next? Because it's always going to be something, right? So like I was saying, like, I don't want my kids to live in a box of fear. I always tell this story. I don't know if I've told this story before. I told a couple of stories about Catholic University last week. Um, and just some of the ways that they valued me, right? And so another way they show value to me at Catholic University was, you know, one of my last, because my last summer there before I left, uh, there was, you know, of course, a very active Catholic ministry where a group of students that were, you know, campus ministers, almost like ambassadors for Christ on campus. And they went around and they, you know, a cool bunch of kids, very well respected on campus. You know, it sounds kind of corny if you're not in that environment, but on campus, they were like everything, right? And they were taking a missions trip, a missionary trip, missionary, missions trip. I don't know. Uh, they were taking a trip to Tanzania in Africa to, uh, to, you know, spread the word, build a church. And they wanted me Dean Andrews to be the staff uh, uh, chaperone and so they thought about it like you know I think at this time my son might have been two or three he was two he was he was relatively young no he might have been even younger than that no was he born yet dang now I can't remember Uh, I think my son was born at the time no he wasn't anyhow 
my wife was either pregnant or he was born and uh, they invited me to chaperone this trip. And like, you know, take a couple days, think about it. You know, we really want you to come. You know, the father, Father Bob was his name. Awesome dude came to me and was like, hey, we want you to do it. We know you'd be the best. You know, we just thought you would love this opportunity to go to Africa. Uh, and, you know, there was, it sounds crazy now me saying that them asking the black guy at Catholic University to go to Africa, but it was really coming from an altruistic place. And I was just like so flattered. They asked me, and y'all, I turned it down. I turned down the opportunity to go to Tanzania uh, in Africa because I was scared. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I wasn't scared of Tanzania, the country, you know, but I read things online. Of course, we all went to Google that, oh, what's going on in Tanzania? And there was Zika. Before Zika was a thing, they had Zika. They had uh, malaria. They had, you had to take all these shots and it was in a village. And, you know, I was just making up all these excuses about why I couldn't go and what would be, you know, what was, you know, wrong with it. And I didn't want to, you know, go and take these shots. And I don't know what was going to happen to this. And I just made up all my, uh, I just made up all my mind that I wasn't going to go and that it would be an issue. And so I didn't go. And I kick myself every now and again. When I think about it, I kick myself for not going on that trip. You know, and I look at, you know, we talk about generational differences, you know, for me as a Gen Xer, you know, we talk about the millennials and Generation Y and these young people now, like they would have gone eight times to Tanzania. They would have moonwalked to Tanzania backwards. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I didn't go on that trip because of fear. And I think about, you know, the fact that, you know, my sister-in-law always tells a story about how, you know, she was a cheerleader in high school and she had this awesome opportunity to go and cheer in Hawaii at the Pro Bowl, you know, as in high school. Or maybe she was in college yeah, in high school and her mother, who was my wife's mother as well, you know, told her no. You know, because of the fear of, you know, after 9-11. Is that a valid fear? Of course. Or were the fears I had valid of going to Tanzania? Of course they were valid because these are real things. It was a war-torn area. There were conflicts and, you know, all these different things that I was reading. Um, so, yeah, of course they were valid. But the mentality that I'm talking about to overcome your fears is what I think a lot of brown and black families miss with their children because we're so busy trying to protect them from life and from, you know, adversity because we've gone through so much adversity. We've gone through so much pain that, you know, anything to avoid my son to feel the sting, the stings of, you know, oppression or the stings of being let down or rejected or, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what I leave with you today. What I leave with you today is how are we treating 
fear in our families? Are we talking about, uh, you know, how to overcome fears? I think it's so important for fathers to talk to their sons and daughters about what they're scared of, where their fear comes from. And how and if they ever, you know, ever got over their fear or what they were scared of when they were 10. And then, you know, when they were introduced to it again at 16, they weren't afraid anymore to give your children a mindset of growth. You know, so there's a growth mentality and there's a stagnant mentality. So a growth mindset says that the way that you are at any given moment in time doesn't have to be the way you stay and more often there's a ton a ton of research about grit and determination and growth mindset you really should check that out um just just google grit and angela duckworth i think is the is the is the um researcher's name uh angela i think that's right but just look that up it's fascinating stuff but you know for many of us, we're gritty in certain areas, but we're overcome by fear in certain areas. And I want us all to be able to talk to our kids about it, to really engage them, talk to them about overcoming fears when they have the opportunity to directly face their fears within a safe environment. How will they respond? Will they not milk the cow because they don't want to get their hands dirty because of bacteria and germs? Or will they milk the cow? Will they not want to roll down the hill because they're going to get ticks. Well, guess what? Three people that rolled down the hill got ticks and they're okay. They're still alive. But 20 people missed out on that opportunity because of the fear that they could not overcome in that environment. Talk to your kids about that. This is a short episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's all I wanted to talk about, you know, confronting our fears, you know, living uh, within a, a, a growth mindset, you know, growing, evolving, uh, and all of that. And that comes with that. Thank you so much. This is the Idea Manhood Podcast. This is Fire Mike's. Peace.